Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast. It's Gav once again in the host chair, joined by Craig and Rich. On the other side of the camera, lads, how we doing? Are we well? Aye, not so bad. Not so bad. Um, been a, a interesting day full of good news. So yeah, yeah. been a canny day, Craig, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it's been a bit of a quick turnaround, hasn't it? Which is very uncharacteristic of Sunderland. Uh, we traditionally yeah. leave things dragging on for a couple of weeks, but it's it's nice to see everything getting wrapped up so quickly. So yeah, really good day. Yeah. So starting the day, well, maybe not starting the day, but the first bit of good news today was, of course, Aidan McGeady back in the squad for the weekend which was then followed up with the announcement that Christian Speakman, the worst-kept secret ever, but yeah, this guy's the new sporting Hmm. director in charge of the football inside the operation at the club, and then the news, uh, expected news afterwards of Lee Johnson's appointment, the former Bristol City manager as head coach. Um, Immediate reaction, Rich, to to that flurry of news? I mean, let's leave McGeady out of it. Mainly the, the two big appointments that have been made by the club. Um, you know, what do you make? What do you make of it? Are you are you impressed? I'm impressed, particularly with um, Christian Speakman. I've done a bit of research on him, and uh, he, he looks really, really good. Uh, his interview with uh, the club uh, that was released this evening was fantastic. And what it does for me is it gives us a long term vision. It gives us um, a bit of stability, a bit of structure. Hmm. And from everything that he was saying in that interview. It seems like he's fully on board with this new project. Yeah. And he was using that term quite a lot, calling it a project, talking about the new ownership group um, and that, and how he wants to really revolutionise how Sunderland operates behind the scenes on the footballing side, which is absolutely you know music to my ears, particularly the focus on youth development and bringing people through through into the into the first team squad is absolutely what we wanted. I think we've, we've all been talking about it for, for months now, how frustrating it is that you know, we've got an academy, a Cat 1 academy, and it doesn't seem to, to result in quality first-team players coming through. And then when it comes to Johnson, I think I'm glad they've got a manager who is, is, is more of a coach than a manager. I'm glad they've got somebody who doesn't want to dominate the whole club and run it from top to bottom. I think yeah. that's been my fear with some of the names mentioned over the last week is their big personalities, huge personalities in some cases, and did want everything done their way from top to bottom. We had uh, one, you know, we had Danny Cowley quotes from him saying how he likes to go in and audit the whole club. I'm not sure that that's what we require at this point. I think that's Speakman's role. 
And what we need is a quality first team coach to work with him, work under him, be appointed by him. Uh, and so hopefully with, with Johnson, we've got that. No, I'm, I'm very positive about it. Talk's cheap though, isn't it? It's it's a case of we said all the right things, Craig. Um, there's going to be some some support as maybe aren't sure what to make of all of this news. I think as people will have seen, there's been quite a lot of negativity coming the way of the Birmingham City fans and a little bit from Bristol fans who maybe got to their end of that tether with, with Johnson. Um, but... I mean, yeah. How how do you how do you feel about it all? Is is this ultimately positive news in your eyes? Are you sceptical or what? Well, I mean, admittedly, I don't know an awful lot about Speakman coming in, so I'll hold my hands up and say that. However, it is something that we have been crying out for for at least the last you know kind of couple of years under Stuart Donald's reign, haven't we? We've been saying that we need a head mm. for that more modern approach. When Jack Ross came in, he was screaming out for somebody to report to a director of football because he felt that there was literally nobody above him on a day to day basis. Now, if you're gonna run football operations and you've got Jack Ross kind of single-handedly dealing with that, then inevitably stuff like that will always fail. So I think it is, it's certainly a positive step in the right direction. And, you know, we can kind of touch on some of the negativity and stuff like that. I think what we've got to, got to now do is try and reestablish and forge that identity to say that we're going to bring these people in to play the way we want them to play. You know, this is going to be a Sunderland way. I know that the Cowleys were a bit of a a popular hit amongst the fans on Twitter and stuff like that. But it's as you've said, they want to come in and do their own thing. What we're now looking to do is we're basically looking to rip up the script, start again and say, this has to be a Sunderland identity. So if it's a case for argument's sake that, say, Lee Johnson is very successful and inevitably gets picked off, that we can bring in another manager of a similar calibre and we don't need to flip the switch and, and, and start mm-hmm. again. Because how many times and how many managers and how many regimes have we had that now? Even if it's just something as small as going from like Jack Ross to Parkinson. Yeah. They didn't Massive play the same way. Yeah, yeah and we, we can't we can't have that. What we need now is we we need to to have everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. And look, whilst I understand there is obviously going to be reservations because of the people who've appointed them, and I totally get that because so far under the regime of Madrox, pretty much everything has gone tits up, hasn't it? You know that I I don't mm-hmm. think that can be defended. Um, the Jack Ross appointment, yeah, pros and cons, fair enough. Parkinson was an absolute disaster. Then there's been other appointments in the background as well, which have all again all being terrible really um but you know what you've got to hope here now is what you try and have the smallest amount of optimism just to hope that this supposed new regime again because this is all you know pre-takeover nothing's been fully finalized or confirmed as of yet but you've just got to hope that these guys are now trying to put this identity in place and and if speakman's going to be spearheading that then you know i'm, I'm fully behind us like i said i don't know an awful lot but if he's getting a glowing reference from someone like drew bellingham on twitter who's just had, what, a 30, 40 million pound move to Borussia Dortmund, and he's been responsible for his development, then I'm well on board with that. Yeah, I'd be, to be honest, and people who listen to this and read our stuff might be aware, but it's something I've been, it's a drum I've been banging for a long time. I just think Sunderland have to become academy-centric, and it was it was music in my ears, to be honest, when I was listening to Speakman talk about it. Um, he, he, sounds, he sounds very passionate, about making that pathway from the from the youth setup to the first team work, um, and to be honest, I can't remember a time in my life as a Sunderland fan where we've actually had that. I mean, we've obviously developed some good players, Pickford, Henderson, but we were talking about this earlier in our chat. Like Jordan Henderson probably came into Sunderland's academy twenty two years ago, although youth setup, yeah. I think he was probably eight year old yeah. or something. He'll have been a young lad when he came. So we're talking about players who actually entered the setup um, a very long time ago. Uh, and there has been there has been a, a clutch of successes there with Sunderland, but 
nothing where you could say this is our clear identity to get those players into the first team. And I'm a little bit worried that that's maybe why we've struggled to hold on to, to some of these players because ultimately there's there's what what could, what what's the, what are we selling to young players at Sunderland? What have we in the past? What have we? What's the the big sell to stay with Sunderland or come to Sunderland? There is nothing. Where now we have somebody running the football side of the club who's in his very first interview come out and said this is my this is the way I'm going to work. This is what we're going to do at Sunderland, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a a project that gets young players into the first team. I mean that to me is is everything. Um, Rich, you want to jump in there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've listened to the the PDP podcast with Speakman oh, yeah, a so, few sorry times. Sorry, just to put in, but yeah, if people want to pick up on that, there's a. There's a good yeah. podcast from I think about a year and a half ago, isn't it? Um, no, it was from uh, last last December, I think it was, and it's uh, it's, it's linked still on very the article. Relevant, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what was interesting about that was how he was talking about everything they do to make sure that uh, a, a player is prepared to join the first team. You know, they've got this policy of having five um, academy players in the first team squad at all times. Uh, which is really good because it allows everyone to know somebody who's already in the in the first team, already been in around the first team. But also, what they do is they'll bring young players into the first team dressing room for a match day experience. You know, they'll, they'll train on the pitch before the match. They'll not be playing; they're not on the bench, but they go through everything. So when eventually they do get to that stage, that it's not a shock for them. Right. But what was also interesting about what he said, um, and I think Jude Bellingham was the example he used. Jude didn't need that. He just went straight in. You know, he had the attitude that he's been the top of his class, you know, top of his age group all the way through, and he just flew straight into the first team and then then out after 40-odd games to Borussia Dortmund, whereas someone like Damari Gray hadn't always been at the top of his age group, and he was a bit of a later developer, mm-hmm. and some, someone like that might have needed a little bit of blooding into the into the first team setup. But obviously, Damari Gray has gone on and, you know, won the Premier League. So yeah. it's really interesting. I think he's from an educational background and he he's all focused on developing the individual talents of players, um, not treating everyone the same, taking a really empathetic approach and dealing with the individual and what their development needs are. So all of that is is fantastic stuff from my from my perspective. Um so yeah, I'd I I'm really positive, particularly about the Speakman appointment. Yeah. I think he's he's really good for the club. Yeah, I think we should maybe address some of the the concerns and criticisms head on then. So mm-hmm. one of the big ones with Lee Johnson I've seen from fans is the the nickname that he earned as a as a manager at Bristol City was Streaky Lee or Streaky Johnson, something along those lines. Mainly because he used to go on big winless runs and then big winning runs. Is that something we should worry about, Craig? I mean, it rem- the first thing I, when I saw that, the first thing that made me think of was Steve Bruce. I used to just remember those big long r- runs where you used to go on under him, um, and I mean it was entertaining, but then it could be very depressing at the same time. And um, can we read much into that? Is that something that follows a manager? Because you know, did that happen at Barnsley or Oldham? I've got no idea. It is. It's just. It's. It's. It's a funny one. It, it is the most commonly um, suggested criticism that I've seen of him. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, for for anybody who follows like George Ellick on Twitter, um, the lad from not the top twenty. And to be fair, if you want any sort of indication if somebody's going to be a success in the football league, I'd probably encourage most people to listen to them. He put something on his Twitter feed, basically saying if you're wanting to to stop the one ones, streaky league is your man. But he goes on to say that he thinks it's a good appointment and it's an exciting project for him. Uh, he says that he's clearly a talented manager and coach. 
it's a good start and he can see this going very well and it feels like the right people will be calling the shots and essentially that's what you've just got to kind of hope from here. What I would say is in respect of, you know, kind of managers, I think everybody's going to have a little bit of baggage wherever they go on there. I'll always remember mm. seeing something on Sky Sports when Steve Bruce got appointed as the Newcastle manager and there was this bloke effing and blinding, kicking off and he was saying, look at his record, you know, he's been sacked, resigned, sacked, re how else can you leave a football club? So yeah. unless you say like Pep Guardiola, somebody is always going to have an X on the record. I mean, Christ, Jose Mourinho at the top of the Premier League Spurs at the moment and he's been sacked from his, what, last three or four jobs? But with Lee Johnson, I mean, again, for a lot of people who don't know an awful lot, obviously you went out and sourced uh, an interview, a Q&A with, with a, a Bristol City fan. Yeah. Uh, One True Robin, the Bristol City blog. I'd probably refer people to that as well because, you know, he's kind of addressed a couple of my concerns straight away. He was referencing that the switch to four at the back, which is something that I've been very, very kind of pro about for the last couple of weeks. Even if we have a look back at that Burton game the other night, I think that change of formation all of a sudden gave us a, I don't know, like where we took the handbrake off somewhat and we start to play with a bit more freedom. And that's what I want. I want somebody to come in and have that relentless desire and get the best attack and quality out the side because I know people will say an awful lot, but this side's still got enough to get it, get promoters. Oh, Everybody's beating yeah. each other. Mm. And the squad depth that we've got, if we're bringing McGeady back into the fold as well, so I think he's got a lot to work with. I know obviously there's been concerns about, you know, these long runs and stuff like that, but... Like I said, I think we've got enough in the tank for him to come in and work with uh, that, that I honestly believe that he can get the best out of them. I will not go in, you know, kind of two-footed straight away and say he's going to be the biggest success ever because, look, we can't predict that. Um, but I honestly believe, even with Phil Parkinson in charge, this side could have got promoted. What he mm. needed to do is he needed to back himself a bit more. He needed to have that bit more desire and a bit more conviction and believe he could go win games. I think with somebody like Lee Johnson, because they've been managing around the top end of the championship, he's not going to want to settle in League One. Especially yeah. if he comes to a club the size of Sunderland. So I honestly believe he'll come in, he'll give it a bit of a shake-up. And I'm, I mean, look, it's early doors, but I, I'm still convinced that come the end of the season we'll get promoted. But um, mm. he's just got to come in and get us off to a good start. That, that's the main thing, like getting off to a good start and just short, stamping some authority because one thing that we can all agree on is the football's been shite all Terrible. season. Um, <clears throat> and one of the big, one of the big um, ticks in the box, I guess, next to his name from a Bristol perspective anyways, is that his teams play a decent football. So fingers crossed this is the start of, you know, maybe some better performances coming up. There's been a lot of mentions as well, though, just in terms of how many of the youth players and things like that he brings through. And that's something that we've been crying out for now. If we go goal down, how many times do you see on the socials, people are saying, right, get Dan Neal on or get Jack Diamond on or get Elliot Embleton on. We have that strength and depth. People are now seeing, obviously, some of them are perhaps a little inexperienced. But if we can kind of tie that up somewhat now, if we can get Speakman and we can get Lee Johnson to work from the same page and make sure, as Rich mentioned earlier, that they are that well equipped so they can just drop into the team and they're not going to have any, you know, sort of run of lack of form or anything that they can just, just fit in immediately, then, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you would expect hopefully everything should go okay. <laughs> Get but this excited. is Sunderland, isn't it? <laughs> no. This is Sunderland, yeah. We'll yeah, bookmark well, this for when he gets sacked six months from now, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. The other sort of little little grey cloud hanging over it, Rich, I would say, is that nobody really... I don't think anyone saw it coming, did they, really? Um, he wasn't one of the highly... Um, he wasn't linked particularly highly, was he? Coming into the, maybe the last day or so he has been, the booties, I think he was second, which if anyone listened to this from the Ready to Go forum... I uh, would like to, to know, is the reason why I sourced a Bristol City fan to try and find out more about him? <laughs> Not because somebody from the football club told us to. Yeah, he's, he was second favourite with the booties yesterday. 
but sort of came in out of nowhere. We don't actually know too much as at this stage about how he was recruited, but it sounds as though there was some sort of interview process. But regardless, I mean, is there much we can read into that? That maybe people weren't didn't see it coming, and and maybe that he isn't. Um, is it, it, see when people were were guessing names of managers who could come to Sunderland? It reminds us a little bit, and I'm not comparing him to Parkinson as a manager, but maybe a bit like Parkinson went. He, nobody really saw that coming, did they? Uh, is there anything we can no. read into that, Rich? Because I I, I mean. I'd say no, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. Well, we can't read much more than other than we don't own a football club or, yeah, yeah, and, and we're not part of the recruitment process. And can I just add, it probably shows that, one, we know a lot less than we, we think collectively, and two, that mm-hmm. most of the crap that turfs up in the papers and on Twitter and stuff, you're best off ignoring until something actually happens. Because yeah. Yeah. I mean, they would have had Nigel Pearson and Super Kevin charge, wouldn't they? Had it been for social media. Everyone's got their favourites, haven't they? Yeah. Um, everyone's got uh, an opinion on who they would have brought in. I mean, there have been lots of names bandied about, you know, club legends. We've had, you know, some pretty ridiculous suggestions. We've had some pretty um, sound suggestions as well. I think Pearson would have been a, a brilliant appointment. I'm just not sure he's uh, looking for a job in League One at the minute. And I also think he's another one of these managers who'd want to come in and, and make the whole ship his his own he wants to be the you know the only captain on the ship so um yeah i think when it comes to like the speculation and stuff and 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 how we go about choosing managers there you know this is as speakman said part of a project and that project um you know it it's a whole and this is just one part of it mm-hmm. and so i think the most important criteria really has been um the ability for the amount the to find the right man to fit into that structure, um, who's not going to disrupt that structure, but who can really excel within it, um, and where it will suit um, their their style. And again, I think Johnson seems to 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 tick all of those boxes. But I mean, I can't say I'm an expert on on Lee Johnson. Mm. I've got a Bristol City supporting family who were not overly impressed with the uh, appointment uh, of him going to Sunderland because I think like. Uh, some of the other fans that we've spoken to have said I think they've run out of patience with him by last summer. But um, but I I can't I can't be negative about it at this stage. I I think mm. yeah I th- I'm I'm glad I wasn't the one making the choice. No. to be frank, because I probably just... would have balls it up royally. Yeah, well, let's just touch on the um. Obviously, he was the he was the the leading contender along with Danny Cowley, we believe. So Cowley, a completely different type of manager, a young man just like Johnson, obviously, but. Completely different type of manager. He plays a probably more direct style of football. He's actually famed for it. Um, hasn't managed a particularly long spell in the championship. He obviously he didn't even complete a season with Huddersfield. He came in after a bad start of their season and then was sacked just before the end, I think. Um, but Cowley was the other leading contender. Um, so obviously we know we've got Johnson now, Craig. But are you are you happy knowing that? Say it was one or the other. Are you happy with Johnson, or would you would you have minded Cowley? Or I mean, I know it's semantics at this stage; like, it doesn't really matter. Um, but you know, obviously, if those were the two choices, and the club have decided to go with Lee Johnson, is that a good move or a bad move? Um, or is it I too mean, early it's, to say? It's yeah, it's probably far too early to say. But I, I think, in respect of kind of what you both were mentioning about, you know, all these names banded about, it does kind of really show that um, you know, not a lot of people really know what is going on, and I think. You know, in fairness to whoever has made the decision that they've probably kept the cards very close to the chest. 
because it was Poirier at the start of the week and I, I know everybody's got caught up in the whirlwind of getting back, start the ghost bus, this, that and the other. And I think we all probably had a bit of excitement around around him coming back and then obviously there was you know suggestions of why he didn't want to. I think at that stage, because Lee Johnson hadn't been mentioned at all, I was probably very pro-Cowleys at that stage um, with admittedly not knowing an awful lot about them just perhaps like an awful lot, just looking at the record and going, well, look, they've got Lincoln from A to B, um, playing pretty good football. And obviously you look at the Huddersfield side of things. What was reported with them, of course, is why they got let go by by Huddersfield. Is apparently that they were wanting to go for a similar approach, which we now are adopting, and they didn't fit the mould. So with that in mind, it's probably best to have a look at somebody alternative, if it is Lee Johnson. You know, there still could be better candidates out there who may have been a better manager or a better fit than him. But if we're looking to go for this particular plan now, then yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I've got I've got no concerns with it at this stage. I, I mean, you would always you would always sincerely hope and give your best to to whoever comes in. And and look, I know people are listening; they'll say this, that, and the other. But yeah, we've got concerns about what's going on with the ownership, but we can only give our best to the manager. And and I honestly believe, and I've said it so many times this year. I think a lot of people would come into this football club and do better with the current resources than Phil Parkinson. And at this moment, mm-hmm. I'm backing Lee Johnson to do that. Well, yeah, that's pretty much what I said on Twitter earlier today was that just from the brief sort of conversations I've had with Bristol City fans on him, we can at least ascertain, take the opinion sort of thing out of it. Is he a good manager? Is he good at this? Is he bad at this? Whatever. His teams play good football. He highly favours youth players. Um, he, he likes the use of data and analytics that automatically makes him a better choice for the job for me than Phil Parkinson so in that sense it is a good move obviously time will tell whether he's a good appointment or not we can't sit here and say with any degree of certainty whether this he's perfect for Sunderland or whether he's going to be a bad manager I mean time will tell time will tell and hopefully he hits the ground running um, I want to scale back quickly Rich just to something about Speakman again um, in the in the statement on the club website, they're pretty clear in what his sort of role's going to be going forward. Um, it says, Speakman will lead SEFC's overall football programme, including player identification, development and acquisitions across the first team and academy. Working alongside Chief Executive Officer Jim Rodwell, he will also take primary responsibility for reviewing and implementing new strategies to develop the club's football and infrastructure with an emphasis on data analytics and innovation and providing a clear pathway from the younger age groups to the first team. Now, obviously, those are all things we sort of touched on. The big take from that would be that he's working alongside Jim Rodwell. Uh, A lot of people weren't sure whether Rodwell would survive the, the change of ownership, which is impending and about to happen. Looks as though reading that, Jim Rodwell's yet to stay. Um, your your take on that? Is is there anything we can read well, too much into that? No, I think you're reading into it what I read into it, um, reading that statement. And that was a surprise, I have to say. Um, you know, I think all of all of the fan base have kind of expected if if and when this takeover goes through, and this looks very much more like a when with uh, Speakman's appointment and and some of the things he was saying in his in his uh, video interview. But I think we were expecting a bit of a clean slate in terms of the 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 management of the club day to day. So with with that statement, it does sound like Rodwell's not not going anywhere. He has spoken with uh, I th- I thought he was quite um, good on on the uh, the unfiltered podcast with uh, Frankie and, and and Danny. I thought he spoke really well and eloquently about the club and about the future of the club. Um, but then you know he, he hasn't covered himself in glory earlier in the uh, pandemic with the the season ticket issue um, and oh, some yeah. of the other issues at the club. So he's 
you know, he's not my not going to be my favourite person because of that because you know that that put a lot of stress on fans and I thought there was a little bit more that the club could have done there. Um, but you know, it was a difficult time for everyone. So I read exactly the same into that as you that he's not going anywhere and that he's going to work really closely with Speakman. Um, and I also thought it was in- interesting from Speakman's interview him talking about um appointing a, a head of recruitment um in the next few days and that that being a really key um appointment alongside the the manager yeah yeah do you get the do you get the feeling sorry for butting in but do you get the feeling that they've just kind of thought now say two years down the road that nobody's going to buy for the valuation that they want they're obviously mm. trying to bring somebody with a thicker wallet to the table but they've looked at it and thought you know what we've we've made a right you know mess of what we've done so far these are foundations that if they put in place here two years ago, speculating, but maybe we could have been top half of the championship. Mm. We could have kept the riches mm. of our academy with some of these young lads, your Greenwoods and Mumbers and Logan Pye and all of these young lads. So from that perspective, that's where I that's where I'm kind of very much on the fence in terms of, you know, getting mm. myself overly excited. I think look, we we'll all hold our hands up and say we're all got I don't like saying get you know, we've got cond or anything like that because the way that the Ella Short regime, you know, come to an end when people came into the club and started, you know, giving giving you suggestions of what was going to happen. And of course, was going to be like music to your ears because they were coming in to say, like, we're going to fix all this. And they didn't deliver it on it. Pretty much none no. of it. So with that in mind, that's why you can understand that there is a lot of, you know, sceptical people out there. Um, I know people are levelling accusations of saying, well, you know, people have got agendas and people are doing this, that and the other. But I, I think at this point, it's probably worth maybe taking into consideration and I think people should have a bit of a nuance about this uh, because I think there's certainly a lack of that at the moment people are going to have different opinions of course at the moment like I said I'm more or less just sat back waiting for the next stages to unfold because you know it was only what 10-11 months ago where we were telling these owners to get out of our football club and in all those months that's gone by now we know that nothing's materialized it doesn't look like a a clean slate is going to be happening anytime soon mm. in respect of Madrox leaving. So I think the only thing that we can really do at this stage is is hope and pray. And like I said, just kind of touching on your comments, I honestly thought that, that Rodwell would have went out the door. Again, I think it was a very much a jobs for the boys appointment. Um, I would love nothing more for, you know, the the proposal of the Americans coming back in and giving us this this clean break. But for the moment, at least it's not going to happen. And I respect that there's going to be people who have different views. There's people who've got them weird extreme views of wanting William Story to take charge of the club. But for the <laughs> moment, this is the very best of a bad situation. We're going to have to like it and lump it. We can't force anybody out. No. We can't even get in the ground to air our displeasure. So it's probably worth people not taking shots at each other on the internet, or on Twitter, and getting overly personal with us. We're all as guilty as each other for wanting the, the previous regime to succeed. You know, so with this new loss, we like I said, we can only hope, and I, I know it's the it's the hope that kills you. But from from here on out, you've just got to trust that this lad Speakman coming in is is going to be given a bit of a, a free reign, and he's not going to be you know hamstrung where other people have. So if he can come in and start implementing some of the message that he's that he spoke of, then then I think hopefully this might be a step in the right direction. Because you know, God knows, do we need us? Yeah, it's sensible sensible what you're saying. Go on, Rich. I think as well, um, just to reiterate that really, everyone wants the best for the club, whether you've been back in William Story's bid, whether you've been um, wanting FPP to come and take over 
the club calling their loan take over the club or whether you're pinning your hopes on Louis Dreyfus coming in and taking a majority share or at least you know being in control of the club uh, with Juan Satori. I think you know we can make the perfect the enemy of the good. I've said that a few times recently. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. You know, you're never going to get everything that we want out of a football club or out of anything else. And I think um, I think we need to be cautiously optimistic and stay sceptical over the next few weeks and months. What's going to be really important is them outlining their plans to the fans. Yeah. Um, Speakman did talk about that in his uh, video interview this evening. Talked about talking to fan forums, being clear and open about what the plan is, what about what the structure is going to be. And I think that's absolutely crucial for the club. There isn't too much information that they can put out there about um, the, who's going to be involved, why, what they're going to be doing, um, what the relationships and boundaries between those roles are, what the plan for this year, three years' time, five years' time is going to be. And, and again, um, Speakman was, was hinting at that this evening in terms of saying, look, we do want to be a top Premier League club, a, a top half of the Premier League club. But, you know, we want to go up this season and then we've got to consolidate in the championship. So it's a sensible, progressive, step-by-step yeah. approach. People need to be patient, but we've also got to be really sceptical, keep asking the questions, keep yeah. demanding that they they um, live live up to what they're, they're promised and that what they're meant to do in terms of meeting with fan groups and doing that properly. and you know, and not, you know, cancelling things and not, not holding meetings for a year, that kind of thing, because you've fallen out with one director. It's, it's, it, that can't be the way that the relationship goes, or it's just going to stay with everyone arguing with each other over tiny little points and everyone being suspicious of one another within fan groups and within mm. fan, you know, everyone on Twitter, everyone on Facebook, because that's where we talk to each other at the minute. We can't, <laughs> we're not in ground yet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's the only place we're talking to one another as fans. So uh, I, ju- I just really hope that we keep that kind of sceptical but optimistic vibe going on that, that mm. I hope will, will you know, be the flavour of the day over the next yeah. few days and weeks, one, really. One, one thing which I think has kind of been overlooked a little bit is these are the, bi- the first big moves made by, by the, the people running the club since Richard Hill, Tony Courtnet all left, um, left Sunderland. So this is, a, this is a, a complete 180 in terms of, direction of the football inside of the club really isn't it mm-hmm. it's like you know we've actually appointed somebody with a proper background in the game to yeah. to a key role it's not it's not Stuart Donald's mate from Eastleigh it's exactly. it's a you know somebody with a with a big future in the game and another thing which I think is quite important that hasn't really been touched on is the respective ages of both Speakman and and Johnson Johnson's 39 year old and he's and he's been managing since he was 31 I mean He's a young man with a lot of experience at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, Speakman started coaching when he was a teenager. And yeah. I think, was he at Birmingham 22 years, I think I read? Or 21 um, years? I think he was at Bur- Birmingham, I think he was 14 years. 14, I sorry. think he was, I think he was seven Derby years prior, at yeah. Dar- Derby. was from uh, yeah. uh, Derby from 19 till 26, I mm. think he was. So I wonder, I wonder, That's a good point. I wonder how much that factored into it then, because... There can't be many other people who've got that much experience at their age, mm-hmm. like to do what they're doing. Um, it's a, it's a, it is a total shift in approach, isn't it, in terms of you know bringing in younger people to run the club? Yeah, and we've got a, a, a 22, 23 year old majority yeah. shareholder as well, and yeah. and it, it, and I, and that's maybe all part of it. That you know, Kirill yeah. um, Louis Dreyfus doesn't want to work with old men. 
He wants to work with people who, who are you know, more more our age. It's going to be very strange having a manager who's one year older than me and a sporting director who's like three years older than me. It's a bit weird, <laughs> really. Um, I, I've always clung on to the fact that we got that there are still professional footballers playing who are older than me, but uh, that 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 won't be the case. It for be, it, it, well, it would be uh, nice to bring longer. the aver- it would be nice to bring the average age of the squad down a bit now, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think that might be play a big part in it. In that we're hearing a lot about youth recruitment and academy recruitment, but it's the longer term. They've got to get the average age of that squad down, and they've got to start producing players with with sell on value. I think that's a, that's something that's been talked about a lot, Craig. Isn't it like we've got. We've got a, a club here with an, and we've already touched on this here, but the academy is cat one. Um, that gives us a big advantage in negotiations when it comes to signing players and stuff. Uh, but ultimately, we've never made the most of it. Like we we we're still signing players this past summer, like free transfers. Danny Graham and Aidan O'Brien, and I mean I know Bailey Wright's a good player, but Bailey Wright, there's no resale resale value in these players, and I just don't think we're going to be making those sort of decisions in the transfer market anymore. Um. I may be wrong, but uh, that's not the impression I'm getting with all with all of the all of what's coming out and what they're saying. Doesn't sound to me like that that's going to be an approach we take going forward, does it? Well, you, you'd like to think. I mean, mm. I suppose there's a certain irony in the the news that we began to celebrate at the start of the day was Aidan McGeady getting back into the team. <laughs> I was, <laughs> <he's>, uh, <laughs> was going to say like our oh, best player being that age, but that does go to show, doesn't it, that we are so heavily reliant on those people. I mean, Christ, when Danny Graham came in, there was. You know, I think I think a fair few people going, well, look, he scored a lot of goals in the championship. He might be able to do it at this Mate. level. Yeah, I did too, Rich. And look how that's come back and bit us on the ass <laughs> as well. But I mean, with that in mind, you know, it is now time that we 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 have somebody with that that longevity in them, somebody with a proven track record who's going to come in and, and improve the academy straight away. I mean, in fairness, it's been nothing more than just a glorified training ground. Um, that over the past couple of years has just been been like a puppy farm hasn't it really it's like people have been coming along watching our games going right we'll take that one and we'll offer you a couple of quid Hmm. the suggestion of this appointment maybe gives an indication that that is going to stop you would like to think Hmm. again purely speculating i've got nothing to you know to kind of form that on at this point but or or, sorry create the butt in but it it makes it makes you it gives you the impression that when we get in these dog fights with these big clubs we've got somebody at the top who genuinely cares about keeping the players yeah he was mentioning that in his statement this evening, to be honest, to be honest, he was he was saying exactly that. You know that can't happen anymore. Mm. That must be an advantage that you can maybe tell to the parents as well of these these young lads as well. Mm. If you're sitting down and having a conversation, because again, that's it seems to be something rumored that that never took place. There was no conversations from our end to try and say to these young lads like, "Look, we want you to stay here because this is your plan. Over the next two to three years, we'll loan you out. You'll get in the first team this way." We've just basically opened the door and went right. See you later. But if he can sit down with any of these young kids who potentially have an option to go to Leeds or United, City, Liverpool. And he can actually say, well, look, you know, I kept Jude Bellingham and I got him and moved to Borussia Dortmund or something like that. Or that, that that's a pretty th- a decent thing to have on, on your CV, isn't it? Really, yeah. stuff like that. And I mean, ad- admittedly, I'm, I'm sure that he's obviously had some players as well where it hasn't worked out. But with a Category 1 Academy, there's not many teams, what? I think there's 15 teams like that have that in the country. And if you've got that, you've got to be making sure that we we are fully using that we are fully resourcing that so now at this point it does look admittedly two years down the line that there is finally a plan but like rich said i think you know whilst we've all got a bit of optimism we've still got almighty concerns it would be probably ideal over the course of the next few days once we hear the first um the first video from lee johnson about what sold him 
to the vision of the new club um and obviously the the prospective owners if this you know proposed takeover goes through give us an indication as to what's going on um speak directly with red and white army by god do not speak with any of the uh, the fan outlets because you'll uh, get accused of all sorts mm. but <laughs> just make sure that everybody's aware of what's going on um keep that regular dialogue with obviously the appropriate people and hopefully uh, you shouldn't go wrong but like mm. i said this is sunderland it's uh, it's the hope that we can't stand. So we'll, yeah. we'll wait and see. But I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. There was a there was a another point in the in the sort of statement, the quotes from from Speakman Rich, where he talks about this season specifically, and we haven't really talked about that yet. Um, particularly with the appointment of Johnson. But he says we understand the frustration of the present circumstances, and whilst we seek patience and continue support for longer term objectives, we are absolutely determined to fix key issues in the short term to establish a winning team. The task of appointing a head coach who is both aligned to the overall plan and capable of impacting the team's performance and style in the immediate weeks and months is a priority above all else. So, Johnson then is is a again a manager I don't know a lot about. I, w- I listened this week to the Under the Kosh podcast. They had Luke Steele on who played for played for him at I think he might have played for him at Barnsley and Bristol City. Not too sure, but he was. Anyways, it was it was interesting because this was just before sort of Johnson emerged as a contender. He was. I was listening to the show and he talks. He said, even now at whatever age Luke Steele is, that Lee Johnson's still the best manager he's ever played for. Getting players going, getting them motivated in the tree. He says he gives the best speeches of any manager I've ever played under, and he played for Sir Alex Ferguson. Let's not forget. He said he gives the best speeches in the dressing room of any manager I've ever played under, and that kind of stuck out to me because I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well. How often have we spoke in recent times, particularly about how badly Sunderland start the second half of games and just how the players don't look like they're given anything extra for the manager? That could be huge, really, in, in giving us that extra 10-15%, couldn't it, for the, for the, for the rest Absolutely. of the season? Absolutely. We've needed an inspirational leader and we've just not had one. Mm. We've not had one since we've been, really. I mean, Jack Ross, Probably I think, is a good coach, yeah. etc. We've not had an inspirational leader for, for years. And and that is important, and I think that's an important attribute of a first team coach in in this structure. Is that mm-hmm. that you know I d- I don't think that Speakman's going to be an inspirational leader. He's going to be a, a he's the kind of leader who who brings out the best in other people, and 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 you want Johnson to do that as well, but not. But he's, Speakman's not going to be you know cracking the whip, and you're going to need a bit of both. And and from what I've heard about Johnson, yeah, he's fiery in the in the dressing room. He's progressive in his um, changes. He's not scared to change formations halfway through a game. He's not scared to change players. Um, if if anything, he might be a bit overzealous in dropping people after a, a defeat or a slightly uh, underwhelming performance. But, you know, how many times have we recently been talking about the fact that Parkinson just, you can you can pick his team five days in advance if you know what injuries yeah, we've got. Yeah. You know, it's... It, and it's dour, dire football. Hopefully, what Johnson will be able to bring pretty quickly, um, whether he's in charge tomorrow or not, I don't know. Um, it is a bit of inspiration and a bit of tactical, tactical nous and 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 flexibility. To be honest, and and that players keep keep players on their toes. There's a bit of that been going on recently as well, where you just see some of the players like they're not going to get dropped, and if they get dropped, they know they're going to be back in in two games time. Yeah, you know, uh, and and you know if you if you're playing crap after fifty minutes, you're still going to have another twenty, even thirty minutes to try and do something. 
you're not going to get subbed out because you you you've been playing awful. We've seen that so many times. So yeah, I I just a breath of breath breath of fresh air is what we need. To be honest. <laughs> Anything to add, Craig? Have you um been sort of no, I, that? I fully agree, and certainly in respect of the comments where it was mentioned that it can potentially be overzealous. I think there has been that sort of complacency there. That this lazy thing that's set in with a lot of the players where, you know, it happened to say Chris Maguire under Jack Ross, he would just go through the motions. Ross would have the balls to drop him. He'd come in for maybe two or three games later and he'd be firing all, all cylinders again. And and I think what's important now is that we have somebody who on that touchline is not going to be afraid to make some some difficult decisions. Somebody mm. who's going to back himself and and really lead by example. I mean, I don't want to, you know, kind of lay into Phil Parkinson because I'm, I'm sure like you know, he is probably a really nice bloke, but you never felt that he had that that fire in the belly, that relentless drive to come here and succeed. I mean, in his opening press away, he said, yeah, you know, I'm here to get promoted, this, that and the other. But I don't honestly believe afterwards that he had any conviction, you know, to actually think that we were going to get promoted. I think when he struck lucky on... Well, maybe that's doing a bit of a disservice. When we went on that running, running uh, winner form from January onwards, you know, we we got settled on a formation, got settled on a plan. But even then, it's exactly like what, what Rich said, you know, things just kind of f- fell down at the wayside a little bit. Teams cottoned on, they found out what we could do. And he wasn't prepared to make any difficult calls in respect of changing the formation or or maybe dropping players for others. And by the end of it, the players were absolutely knackered, burnt out into the ground. And that's what ultimately cost us in those final four games. So what I would like from Lee Johnson now is to come in, give everybody a fresh lead. I think that's why Aidan McGeady's now obviously going to be considered from here on out and and just make sure that everybody's on the same page and just to basically say, look, if you aren't pulling your weight, you're out this team. Mm. The the end product now, we need to make sure that we're not going to have, say, Max Power coming out on a Tuesday night or Bailey Wright coming out and telling us that a draw against a side like Burton Albion is acceptable and try and find positives. That is massive. There needs to be a total attitude adjustment amongst these players. Like Park- Parkinson is... Parkinson has managed to sort of brainwash these players, I think, and mm-hmm. they're thinking these things are all right. Like mm-hmm. crazy. That that exact that that what you've just touched on there. Bailey Wright, who is captain most teams he's played for. Max Power, who's captained a few clubs. These are like lads who they should they should know what good and bad is. That I mean, what we've been doing recently is not good. It wouldn't be nice to see a little bit of honesty and maybe a wrap it up the backside of the players in the dressing room who have got the most sway with within the within the group. Yeah, it's not even so much throwing, you know, individuals under the bus from from saying Max Power there. What he needs to do is front up as the captain and address it as everybody to say we as a team have not been good enough here. We didn't start playing until we went to goal down until the formation. We shouldn't really need that. So what I would sincerely hope is that somebody like Lee Johnson is going to come in and perhaps have knowledge of those comments and have a look at the league table, pin that up on the wall to say, look, ultimately this is not good enough. You have been playing poorly, hence the reason why the managers got sacked. So therefore, what we need to do is we need to improve on everything here and we, we just need to crack on because like I said, I think, what, are we seventh? Are we eighth now? The way that the teams are beating each other in this league, we've got every chance of even still winning the league. Hull haven't yeah. had a bad patch yet. I mean, Hull, in respect of them, were one of the the, the worst sides to come up against us so far this season. Um, but like I said, I, I think the most important thing is now is that we, we have that change of culture. It's not going to happen overnight, admittedly. We'll start actually addressing you know, bad things, we start holding each other accountable and saying that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I sincerely hope that's going to start over the next couple of days when he gets out on the training pitch. But um, whether whether we're going to get that new manager bounce is yet to be seen. But I mean, like I said, it's um, it's anything's better than Phil Parkinson at this yeah. moment. Well, let, let's just round off on a nice positive, I guess. The, the players who we think might benefit most 
from working under Lee Johnson, Rich? Is there anybody who comes to mind? Players who maybe didn't get a fair crack of the whip under um, the last manager, who maybe didn't fit the system that he was sort of impressing on the players. Is there anybody you think who could benefit? Well, it might be a bit of a cliche and an easy option, but um, I think Elliot Embleton, I think he's exactly the kind of player um, who who will respond to a manager who can inspire him, who can play him how he needs to be played. I mean, that lad, all right, he, he hasn't been that effective. He missed a couple of chances the other night, etc. But um, his quality on the ball, you know, you see the way he shapes his body, you see the way he floats a ball in, even if it isn't accurate. He's got quality on the ball. Um, so I can I can see how somebody with that talent, someone who is a England age group international, um, would respond really well to to a coach like um like Lee Johnson. So yeah, that's that's the lad who I, I could see really benefit him. And if there's another name who really needs, I think to to take the step to the next level and and get out of a little bit of complacency, might be Denver Hume. I think there's things to add to his game. Um, he's obviously got a lot of talent, a lot of quality, but there's things he really needs to add to his game if he's really going to take it to the next level. And that really is his his final ball in crossing. Although you know his cross the other night was was lovely, um, but particularly his finishing. Because if you're going to be that flying wing back or that winger, who 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 knows how he might play in a in a four four two? Denver Hume, uh, that 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 sticks out a little bit to me because Johnson played a massive part in developing Joe Bryan at Bristol City who became like a really good attacking left-back in the championship mm-hmm. and got like a, a, a big money move. Well, I say big money, six million, but, you know, a decent move to a Premier League team. It makes us wonder, you know, players... That, I, I was trying to think, who who in the, who is the most important player in this team to the to the sort of output that we produce? And I was thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking it's probably Denver Hume, to be honest, because everything, mm-hmm. particularly under Parkinson, comes through him. And I, although I can't just play in the same way under... under uh, Johnson, it just made us think, you know, there's a lad who, comparatively, there was a player at Bristol City um, who played the same position and done very, very well. Uh, is is he, is he, does he stand to do well in this team? Uh, you know, I mean, he is already doing well for Sunderland. Um, but, of course, there's there's plenty of players in, in, the, in the squad who, who I think could probably do all right. Another point would be to look maybe at strikers. I'm not saying our strikers are in any way comparative to the ones that Johnson's had at Bristol City. Hmm. Um, but Greg is just wait, something waiting to happen, isn't it? Like Everyone's sort of sitting around waiting for Will Greg to come good at Sunderland. If there's anybody needs a fresh start more than him, then I, I don't know who they are in our team because he, he, is, he is the one player who you can look at and think, if someone could just come in and get their arm around him and play in a way that gets the best from him, we could strike lucky. Um Mm-hmm. I don't, does anyone have that feeling with Greg? Or am I, is, is he is his time up? Because you know, go on, Craig. Yeah, I'm fully in agreement with that. I think one of the the biggest issues with Will Greg that he's had, look, by you know everybody's um, opinions, he, he's had a shit time here, hasn't he? He cost us too much money. We know that it was a bit of a mental sign in the way it all unfolded. But every time he seems to get into the team, I mean, I, I can't remember. I think it was the MK Dons game where he, he missed the open goal. He gets dropped immediately. When, say, Danny Graham was missing chances like that, or Charlie Wags missing chances like that, they seem to, to get that continued run in the team. They seem to, to get the chances to put it right. Will Griggs never been afforded that, I don't think. When he came on the other night, what I thought was interesting is when we changed formation somewhat, hits the post with his first effort. Quite unlucky with the second effort, fair enough, but I think that's what he needs. He, and again, it's it's 
I, I appreciate people go, well, they paid lots of money, this, that, and the other. They shouldn't need the, the, the help and the support, this, that, and the other. But, you know, they're just human at the end of the day. And I think we can all say if we're having a bit of a shit run at, at work or, you know, we're having bad goings on or elsewhere, it's it's going to impact us and it's going to have um, a, a serious effect. So I would sincerely hope that with Lee Johnson's, you know, kind of a, a, attacking outlet, that he's going to come in and say, hey, listen, you've had a bit of a bad time here. You are quite clearly capable of doing it. You've got Wigan promoted a couple of times. He just, he, I'm, you know, kind of just getting ahead of myself. He just needs to to have that spark again. Um, he, he, I think that's what he needs. He needs somebody to tell him that he can do it because I think under Phil Parkinson, it just it doesn't seem like there's been any 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 of what you've mentioned so far of that arm around him. I'm just going to kind of quickly go off subject slightly, but. I remember speaking to, to Chris Coleman when we'd done the podcast with him in the summer. And one thing that he said was that there was a lot of issues with the players, you know, mentally that was impacting them and affecting them. And I think for a club the size of Sunderland, a lot of these players aren't going to play at a club the size of this ever again. So maybe the expectations are going to be slightly overwhelming to them. And I think that has perhaps hampered Will Grigg, knowing that he's got to try and repay some of that massive fee. So the way I look at it now is if somebody can say, hey, listen, don't worry about the £4 million transfer fee. I'm going to get the best out of you and here's my plans for you, then I think that he has got a chance. I know his contract's dwindling out and the reality is we've probably just got to let him go because there's no way we're going to get our money back. But until that day happens, we've got to try and get some value out of him and, and I'm hoping that Lee Johnson's going to be the man to do it. Rich, were you wanting to step in there? Well, yeah, it was It was more just to add about Grig really, again, that a change of style and a change of formation may, may well do a lot from him. I know that under Jack Ross, you know, he wasn't living up here didn't settle um a lot of that might have changed over the over the summer etc but Parkinson's style never never suited him and the one thing from the other night when he came on he was he was deeper than the other striker and he played that nice ball through to mm-hmm. to um Danny Graham's feet and I thought you know maybe maybe he needs to be playing up up front in a in a two where he can drop off sometimes and where he can find space where he can be part of the link up play one two player one twos get in behind. Um, there's none of that through the middle, or there hasn't been with Parkinson. So hopefully with Johnson being a bit more of a um, free flowing football kind of manager, that well we we need to create more chances. And and that has been you know they've been living off scraps, particularly Grig um, has been living off scraps. You know he gets one chance. Strikers sometimes need two, three, four chances in a game. He gets one. He miss. And like Craig said. He misses, he's out the side. And then his second choice sub coming on after 80-odd minutes rather than 70-odd minutes, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he could be rejuvenated, we'd hope, yeah. you know? Well, let's hope that's a, that can be said about the whole club. Everything can be rejuvenated. We're all, we all sound rather optimistic, but like you say, said earlier, um, maybe cautious optimism is probably cool. the best approach to take because with all of this, there is the possibility that everything can go tits up and we are Sunderland and we're used to seeing everything go tits up. Um, but of course, we, we, we're fans. We're fans. We're all fans. That's often forgotten about with with people who have podcasts and blogs and all the rest of it. We're just fans who want to see the club mm-hmm. do well. And if we say, you know, we're quite happy with the appointment of Johnson or we're looking forward to seeing what he can do, doesn't mean we're being paid by the club to do it. It doesn't mean that anybody's asked us to say that. I just want to see my club do well and I can't help um, feeling quite happy about the fact that something's changing. We called for months and some people called for almost a year for the replacement of Phil Parkinson as manager. We've got that done. We're getting, we're, everybody, everyone, I say everybody, but most people wanted a change in ownership. All right, we're not seeing a total change in ownership, but what we are seeing is going to bring 
some effective change within the club. So we're getting that at least. We've got rid of Donald and Co. They've got no sort of say day to day by the looks of it. These guys are going to be running the football side. That has to be another tick in the right in in the in the in the positive column. So all I'm trying to say is, whilst yes, let's stay very cautiously optimistic on all of this. If you do feel a little bit happy about this, and you do feel as though things might be turning a corner at Sunderland, and that ultimately we're we're headed for a better place, then that's okay. You're allowed to feel that way, and it doesn't make you a sympathizer of the ownership. It just makes you a Sunderland fan who wants to see the best for the club. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anybody has anything else to add. But ultimately, all I want to say to uh, to our listeners is we hope we hope we've been able to bring a little bit of uh, perspective to what's going on at the club. I'm sure more will come out over the coming days. I will make a secret of the fact that we've recorded this before the actual appointment of Lee Johnson's been confirmed, but it, it has pretty much been confirmed, hasn't it? We all know it's coming as per media sort of um, leaks and, and what have you. So that's why we've chosen to talk about this tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm sure as, as the weeks progress, we'll have more to say about what he does. And as Craig said, maybe 10 minutes or so ago, it's going to be good to see what he can do once he gets out on the pitch with the players and and really starts to stamp his authority. And hopefully, as Christian Speakman alluded to, he's able to have the short-term impact on the team and the results that we need to really turn the season around because uh, God knows that we, we have to get out of this league this season regardless of what happens anywhere else. Uh, so yeah, thanks lads for, for joining us. And um, of course, we'll catch everyone else after the game. Wigan, catch you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.